And welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right. Happy Friday, everybody. Hope everyone is staying safe and well. Great to be with you here on the weekend edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Plenty to talk about, including more information on the potential arrival of the Islanders' biggest prospect, goaltender Ilya Sorokin. We've got some more discussion about the league's possible path to resuming play. And, of course, we'll be talking about this date in Islanders history, a big playoff win there. And we will wrap up our discussion of the greatest season in Islanders history as we break down and remember the Stanley Cup Finals from 1981-82. So lots to get to on today's show. Don't forget, if you have a question, a comment, or a topic you'd like us to discuss Please feel free to contact the show via email, the address LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. And if you leave your name and where you're from, we're happy to mention you on the air as we discuss your question or topic of choice. Also, you could follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. And I'll keep you up to date on all the latest news and notes from around the New York Islanders. All right, so first things first, let's talk a little hockey. Ilya Sorokin, according to a published report, will be signing with the Islanders just after uh, his contract expires with CSKA Moscow. The contract expires at the end of this month. So April 30th, the contract expires, and Sportsnet's Elliot Friedman up in Canada confirmed that Sorokin will be moving on to the NHL next season, and that means that it looks like the Islanders will have an all-Russian goaltending duo with Simeon Varlamov and Ilya Sorokin uh, going to be the two goaltenders for the Islanders. And what this means, in addition to all the talent and all of the expectations that go along with Sorokin, and look, he's been unbelievably effective in the KHL, was the playoff MVP last year, took CSKA Moscow to a championship. But what it potentially means is yet another angle for the Rangers and Islanders rivalry. Because 
the Rangers, of course, now have their rookie goaltender, Igor Shosturkin. He is sort of viewed by most as their future franchise goalie. So Shosturkin versus Sorokin may very well be the subtext to the Rangers-Islanders rivalry for the foreseeable future. When you think about, you know, Shosturkin is a rookie. Sorokin, only 24 years old right now. So for the next, what, somewhere between five and 10 years, potentially at least, you have got this battle between the two Russian goaltenders being a part of the battle between the Islanders and the Rangers, the biggest rivalry uh, the Islanders have. And that that would just be really just an, an extra welcome thing, especially if both teams are playing good hockey again at the same time. Hard to believe that the Rangers and the Islanders have not met in the playoffs since 1994. That's 26 years down, you know, they met in 1975, 79, 81, 82, 83, 84, 90, 94. So, you know, eight times between 1975 and 1994, and then zero times in the last 26 years, it, it's time for these two rivals to meet in the playoffs again. And it's really time for sort of another angle to be added to this rivalry, not that it needs one, but when the Islanders and the Rangers get together, you know there's going to be some great hockey. Now, also wanted to talk about something that Dr. Anthony Fauci said, uh, and of course Fauci is the, uh, the, the head their director, and he's advising the White House right now on what to do and how to, you know, resume what it would take to be safe. And a couple of days ago, Fauci sort of outlined the path back for sports. And this was encouraging. Uh, One of the things he said was, obviously, you got to play in neutral sites and you have to isolate, quarantine, and effectively test the athletes. Here's a quote from Fauci in an interview that he did. You put the athletes in big hotels, you know, wherever you want to play. Keep them very well surveyed, but you have to test it, but have them tested like every week and make sure they don't wind up infecting each other or their family and just let them play the season out. So, again, you're looking at neutral site games in empty stadiums or arenas, but you're looking at a path back. And I would say the the key is the testing. We still do not have enough tests in this country right now to effectively get everybody safely back into the workplace and back to what normal used to be. But if we can get enough tests to, uh, you know, test these athletes once a week, let's say, and have these games at a neutral site, we may be taking a, 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 a better idea. We're having a better idea of realistically what a reopened NHL season might look like 
And again, as I mentioned on the show, and as I mentioned on the show yesterday, NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman is looking for ways to make sure that those teams on the playoff bubble have a fair deal when and if the season resumes. So whether it's expanding the playoffs or whether it's finishing the regular season so that all the teams have played the same number of games, that bodes well for the Islanders and their fans. And it's certainly something that we are pleased to hear as we begin to get an idea of what things will look like when the NHL season can resume. All right, we're going to talk about this date in Islanders history, a big playoff win in Brooklyn. We'll also talk about where Islander fans can see all four Stanley Cup clinching games this weekend. And we have our look back at the Stanley Cup finals from the greatest season in Islanders history. More to come right here. All right, welcome back. And uh, look, Islander fans have been watching MSG Plus, and they've been airing games mostly from earlier this season, although recently they've been also showing some games from the 90s as well. Uh, This Sunday, a very special schedule on MSG Network, and uh, check your local provider for the channel in your area, but MSG Network will be airing all four of the Islanders' Stanley Cup clinching wins starting at 2 o'clock on Sunday. And each game will take two hours. So you have 1980, which has now been 40 years since Bobby Nystrom gets the overtime goal uh, back in 1980. That's at 2 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, you'll have Game 5 of the 81 Cup Final against the North Stars. Uh, Game 4 of the 1982 Stanley Cup Final will follow at 6 o'clock. And then at 8 o'clock, the Clash of the Dynasties, Round 1, Islanders and Gretzky-led Edmonton Oilers going from Game 4 of the 1983 Stanley Cup Final. So all four Stanley Cup clinching games scheduled to be televised this Sunday starting at 2 o'clock on MSG Network. And uh, Islander fans certainly don't want to miss any of that. It's certainly a good way to get your Stanley Cup, get your hockey fix, for lack of a better way to put it, right now. All right. Time for this date in Islanders history. We go back to April 17th, 2016 at the Barclays Center. Game three of the series between the Islanders and the Florida Panthers. Islanders with the uh, coming into this game with a one-to-one split of the first two games in Florida. And this was the first playoff game at the Barclays Center. And it was the Panthers getting on the board first in the first period. Riley Smith, his fourth from Petrovich and Mike Matheson at 225. Islanders trailed one to nothing. Tomas Grice was the goalie for the Islanders against Florida's Roberto Luongo. In the second period, the Panthers added to their lead early. Alexander Barkov, his first from Riley Smith and Jonathan Huberdo at 111, and the Islanders trailed two to nothing, and things not looking up 
for the Islanders. But when Petrovic takes a boarding penalty at 443, the Islanders go on the power play. Ryan Pulak, his first of the playoffs from Kyle Oposo and John Tavares at 521. And the Islanders were on the board, though still trailing 2-1. But Nick Bukestad adds to the Panthers' lead, his second of the playoffs, Riley Smith and Dimitri Klarda midway through the hockey game. But the Islanders don't quit. Shane Prince gets his first of the playoffs from Pulak and Calvin Dahan at 11.48. And it's a one-goal game. Islanders trailing at this point 3-2. Then... Another power play opportunity arises. Dmitry Kulikov off for clipping at 16-12, and Franz Nielsen takes advantage. His second of the playoffs from John Tavares and Kyle Oposo at 16:55, and after the second period, this hockey game was all even at 3-3. Nobody scores in the third period. So we go to overtime, and finally, at 12.31 of overtime, Thomas Hickey, who wasn't a big goal scorer, but when he scored, they tended to be clutch. Hickey, his first of the playoffs, assists to Brock Nelson and Josh Bailey, and the Islanders had a win in their first-ever home playoff game at the Barclays Center by a final score of 4 to 3 and they took a 2 to 1 lead in this playoff series. Kyle Oposo had two assists, Ryan Pulak, a goal and an assist, John Tavares also with two helpers. Islanders had 39 shots on goal as did the Florida Panthers. Tomas Grice with 36 saves to earn the victory as for shots on goal in this one. John Tavares leading the Islanders with five. Thomas Hickey and Ryan Strom each had four for the Islanders. And as far as the plus-minus was concerned, Shane Prince, a plus-two to lead the Islanders, while Cal Clutterbuck and Matt Martin were each a minus-three. So uh, they struggled a little bit, that fourth line, in this game. But overall... The Islanders, in front of a sellout crowd of 15,795 fans, end up with a 4-3 overtime win. Thomas Hickey, the hero, and the Islanders take a 2-1 series lead in their first ever playoff game at the Barclays Center. This date in Islanders history, April 17, 2016. Still to come, our discussion of the Stanley Cup Finals, from the greatest season in Islanders history. All right, so let's discuss a little bit more about the Stanley Cup final round from the greatest season in Islanders history, that, of course, being 1981-82, the year the Islanders won their third consecutive Stanley Cup. Also had the best record in franchise history, so plenty to talk about there couple of notes, by the way, just to in their series against Quebec in the conference final that year. The series lasted for 256 minutes and 52 seconds, and Quebec was in the lead for 9 minutes and 41 seconds in the entire series. The Canucks 
dispatched the Chicago Blackhawks in the conference finals in five games to meet the Islanders, but there was a big gap between these two teams. The Islanders 41 points better than Vancouver during the regular season. Roger Nielsen was Vancouver's coach, and uh, basically his quote before the series started, the Islanders do not scare us. Vancouver led by goaltender Richard Brodeur, who was 11-2 in the playoffs with a 2.32 goals against average going into the series. Now, Brodeur was originally an Islander and actually played two games for the Islanders in 1979-80 before being shipped out uh, behind, at that point, Billy Smith and Chico Resch. His nickname given to him by his Islander teammates was Kermit because he was a short guy, about five foot seven, and kind of squat, so they said he resembled Kermit the Frog. Now, you know, some names from these Canucks teams that you may remember. Tomas Gradin, Stan Smeal, Darcy Rhoda, Ivan Boldarev, Tiger Williams, Harold Sneps. Uh, these are just, and Colin Campbell, the future coach of the New York Rangers, was also a member of those Canucks teams. Here's what Billy Smith had to say before the series. I don't think we're overconfident. We're just confident. After what we've done, we deserve that confidence. Butch Goring basically saying, everyone knows how Vancouver plays. They'll try to knock, uh, to to hook us and hold us and rattle us and maybe even fight us. We just have to remember to be patient. The bottom line is, we're the champions. They have to beat us. So that's what Butch Goring was saying before the series. Game one of the finals, May 8th, 1982, at the Nassau Coliseum. And the Canucks came out and very much did exactly what they said they were going to do game one, lots of penalties in it. The Canucks took the lead just a minute 29 in on a goal by Tomas Gradin, but the Islanders and Canucks engaged in a back and forth battle. Canucks held the lead, but Mike Bossy scores the tying goal with four minutes and 46 seconds left in regulation. Bossy's 12th of the playoffs. From Tonelli and Trottier, that at this point tied the game at 5-5 and it went into overtime where Bossy gets the game winner with two seconds left in the first overtime period in order to give the Islanders a 6-5 win. Now, this game started at 8.05 at the Coliseum for TV purposes and because of all the penalties, two big brawls in the second period, 114 penalty minutes in the second period alone, including seven misconducts. Uh, this game, you know, again, starting a little bit after eight. Now, things did calm down. No penalties in the uh, third period. And in overtime, you just had a pair of roughing penalties uh, that offset each other, Bob Nystrom for the Islanders, Doug Hallward for Vancouver. At the end of the day, the Islanders 
able to get that win and take the one nothing series lead. At this point, the Islanders' record all-time in playoff overtimes was 19-5. and And Dennis Potvin, after the game, said they took us off their game. Between the second and the third periods, we decided that we would get back to our game. And there were no penalties, like I said, in the third period or just the two offsetting penalties in overtime. Islanders led the series one to nothing. The fans interviewed by Newsday at game one were very confident. One sign at the Coliseum said, the Vancouver who? Another fan said this resemble this was going to resemble a scrimmage and um, basically said, I don't think the outcome is in doubt. I just came because I love hockey. So game one sort of may have made those fans think twice that it wasn't going to be a cakewalk. Game two at the Coliseum, the Islanders increased their series lead and they ended up winning game two by a score of six to four. Six different Islanders score goals, three assists for Dennis Potvin, Brian Trottier with the game winner, Billy Smith again, 26 saves to earn the victory, Bob Bourne a goal and an assist in this one, and uh, he had been playing very well since being placed on a line with Bossy and Trottier, so they moved him up to the number one line, making the second line Merrick, Tonelli, and Nystrom, Goring, Gillies, and Dwayne Sutter, the third line, Billy Carroll, Anders, Brent Sutter, the fourth line for most of this series. Meanwhile, again, the Canucks come out and play physical. Tiger Williams each get roughing penalties very early in the game, just 4.09 in, and, and that's the typical strategy Back in the early 80s, you get a guy like Tiger Williams, and Tiger could play. He had a a couple of 20-goal seasons, but his main job was to be an enforcer and a pest. You get him off for two minutes or five minutes and get Brian Trottier off the ice, that would be a good trade for the Vancouver Canucks. But again, the Islanders able to outlast Vancouver and take a 2-0 lead in the series with a 6-4 win in Game 2. Game 3, the series shifts to Vancouver, and basically the Islanders come away with a 3-0 win on a shutout. And um, here's the quote from Bobby Nystrom going into the game. We knew in the first couple of games that they were trying to talk to us to slow down the game, They were trying to get to us. We don't want to talk. I don't like talking much anyway. Uh, Bossy with a big goal in this game. Uh, A a dramatic goal as he was being tripped and falling to the ice. Puts the puck in behind Brodeur. And Bill Torrey, the Islanders general manager, now just said, just a typical Bossy goal. Ho-hum. Uh, being a little bit tongue-in-cheek there. And uh, for Bossy afterwards, it says, in many ways, 
it may have been the biggest goal that I've ever scored considering the circumstances. Clark Gillies basically said, I was, I, I just can't wait to play game four he's talking about. I think we all want to play right now if we could. Uh, another thing, he said, I have two Stanley Cup rings and three daughters. When I go to the great Nassau Coliseum in the sky, I want each of them to have a ring, not just money, and I probably won't have too much of that when, uh, too much of that left when he goes. Gillies, again, keeping his sense of humor, but the Islanders up 3-0 and basically smelling blood one game away from that third consecutive Stanley Cup. Game four again at the Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver. It's May 16th, 1982, and the Islanders get the lead in the first period, Butch Goring his sixth from Dennis Potvan, one nothing Islanders. But the Canucks don't quit at 18.09 of the first period. Stan Smeal gets his ninth po- uh, playoff goal from Jerry Miner and Colin Campbell, and it's 1-1 after, two, uh, after one period. But our play starts to click, and that, folks, means Mike Bossy. Darcy Rhoda off for cross-checking. Bossy, his 16th of the playoffs from Dennis Potvin and Brian Trottier at five minutes, 2-1 to one Islanders. And then with Stan Smeal in the box for high-sticking. Mike Bossy, his 17th of the playoffs from Trottier and Stefan Pearson at eight minutes, two power play goals exactly three minutes apart for Bossy, and the Islanders took a three-to-one lead. After that, folks, it was the Billy Smith show. He made 23 saves in 24 shots, and the Islanders skate to a three-to-one win and a four-game series sweep. They sweep both the semifinal round and the final round, the first team to do that since the 1970 Boston Bruins of Bobby Orr and Phil Esposito fame. And afterwards, here's Bob Bourne. How can you, <clears throat> how can you now say that we're not great? Tell me, how? And then he said, that's why we win, because we never forget what it was like to lose, Bourne bringing up the Islanders' loss to Toronto in the 1978 playoffs and the Rangers in the 1979 playoffs, and basically saying those memories of losing big playoff series scare the Islanders into playing well and winning now. Here's what Tiger Williams had to say after the series was over. We tried to play tough. We banged them around, and they stood up to it. They are true champions. The Islanders came back to Long Island, and 45,000 fans showed up for the parade around the Coliseum down Hempstead Turnpike as the Islanders wrapped up the greatest season in franchise history, 1981-82, with their third consecutive Stanley Cup victory. All right, that wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. Have a great day, everybody. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. 
keep that social distancing going, and we'll all get through this together. Don't forget all four Islanders Stanley Cup wins on MSG Network this weekend. Have a good weekend. We'll be back Monday with more great Islanders content here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. Let's go Islanders!